OTB Sports Rugby. Some of the hype around Jack Crowley has been premature. He's played pretty well, but having him as the second coming of Christ seems to be a little bit aggressive. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. Off the ball, daily. We're talking tennis. Very happy to bring in Molly McElwee of The Telegraph, who's on the line. Molly, great to have you with us. Hi, thanks for having me. So really interesting piece, uh, which you've written in The Telegraph, the headline being why top women's players want to leave. And I suppose um, uh, part of the uh, impetus to write the piece is that the news has come again that Naomi Osaka has withdrawn from the Australian Open, very much the first uh, Grand Slam event of the year. And there are persistent rumours with Osaka, who who probably is a very specific case, given uh, what she said about her own mental health. But there are persistent uh, rumours with Osaka that she's perhaps given up training. She may well never play tennis again. It seems to be uh, that serious with her. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it came as much of a surprise to many people that she had pulled out just because we haven't seen much of her since uh, around September last year and even last year her season was kind of um, yeah it, it was she didn't play as consistently as, as usual that was like you say it's very specific for Osaka over the years she's spoken about mental health challenges that she had she also had some physical challenges last year with um, a few injuries which kept her out um, out of action but um, yeah there, there's been a few signs that she was going to play the Australian Open this, this year um, and yeah it sparked kind of worries that one of tennis's biggest stars really their biggest star um, since Serena Williams has now retired so their biggest star left Osaka doesn't feel as engaged in the sport as she once was and that's a huge issue for, for, for the sport because she's she's a massive draw for fans Ashley Barty has also departed the scene prematurely. And you made the point in your piece in The Telegraph that uh, this all combines to underline the impression that the modern tour is too uncongenial a lifestyle for many leading women. And as soon as they can afford to get off the carousel, they do. Yeah, we. I mean, there's there's many reasons that, that, that could be kind of um, like forcing or, or just playing playing into the idea that some players are just kind of, they get tired of the tour quicker than 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 others, I guess. And a, a lot of the time it's the top talents. Um, it's so, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult sport, tennis. It's relentless. Players are playing because the calendar is so kind of congested at the minute. Over the years, it's kind of become more and more congested and, and they're playing 50, 49 or 50 weeks a year which is is crazy when you compare that to to other sports where you're touring around the world you usually get kind of at least a couple months break and I think that's one of the factors travel is something that Ash Barty spoke about she like like I said well she she retired when she was 25 similar age to same age as Osaka is now Um, and that was last year when she was world number one she just won the Australian Open and one of the things she said was the travel is just not something that she wanted in her life anymore she's achieved what she wanted to achieve and that that was it but it's an isolated lifestyle and I guess over the last couple of years in particular with Covid um, that travel has become even more difficult as players can't enjoy the kind of 
benefits of traveling around the world if you're kind of cooped up in your hotel room. I guess the point of our article is trying to explore maybe why this is affecting or seems to be affecting top female players more than top male players mm. based on the fact that there's a lot of um, women who are dropping out of tennis or seem to, a lot of the top talents are dropping out or seem to be kind of opting out of playing as consistently. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's a tricky one to kind of figure out. I think um, what we mentioned in, in the article, myself and my colleague, um, Simon Briggs, who wrote it, um, we mentioned the upcoming Netflix documentary series about tennis, which is called Breakpoint, it's coming mm. out this week. And that offered some insight into some of the challenges that the female players um, are, 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 are dealing with that maybe the men don't have to deal with as much. Anstraver talks about the the challenge of starting a family when you're traveling around the world and also when you've got to give up the sport for months if you're going through a pregnancy. That's something that is different for women than it is for men. Um, I think dealing with losses every week is also something that some of the players um, spoke about at, at length. Isla Tomljanovic spoke about that and um, we saw her kind of have an interesting exchange with Matteo Ber Berrettini, who was her partner at the time. And they discussed kind of how a loss impacts them individually. Obviously, we're talking about small sample size here. Mm. We we're not saying that losses definitely affect women more than men and that they take it harder. But the picture that this series paints is that it 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 does play on the minds of the women that, that are being profiled more than it does so the men. And um, that might be for a number of reasons. Another thing, I think, is the fact that women at the top, uh, at the top of women's tennis, we haven't had the same rivalries in the last few years as we have had in, in men's tennis beyond the Williams sisters. And... Um, I think considering how relentless a sport it is, how how much you have to travel, you've got to kind of have something to keep you motivated and having someone kind of keeping you on your toes is key. And Osaka, when she was at the top of her game, maybe didn't have that person because Barty kind of came through a little bit after her mm. or when she was out through injury. So there's, yeah, there's a number of factors really. And it's it's just an interesting one and one that I think tennis needs to figure out because if not they're going to lose some of their best players yeah i mean already the australia uh, in prospect is is so much lesser for not having the star power of somebody like osaka there so it's very damaging at, at these four uh, really high profile moments in the year for the sport if you draw a parallel for instance uh, with golf uh, men's golf and men, female uh, golf so the, the parallels in some respects are there in that they are, well, they could play every week of the year, maybe is the point in golf. They have the four yeah. majors, the four the four events which define a year. Uh, in golf, there is a colossal amount of autonomy in that you might have a player like Tiger Woods might have played 13, 14 times a year and his travel would have largely been confined to the US. He would have played the US tour, might have picked one or two overseas events which were largely lucrative as opposed to prestigious uh, the, the notion that tennis players, which is physically more demanding, that they're playing 40, 50 weeks of the year, that's that's insane. Are, th are they required to play all these events? Can they not say, well, I'll play the four Grand Slams and I'll pick and choose after that? Well, um, I think for, for some top players, um, there is a requirement to play a certain number of, of, of the bigger events beyond the Grand Slams, like the, the, the top events on the WTA Tour. Um, but the, the, the thing is with 
ranking is so important in tennis and to keep your ranking up you have to keep playing week on week because um yeah and, and it's so important because you go into an event and the person you're drawn against is based on the your ranking so someone like Naomi Osaka is a great example in that she's stopped playing as many events in the last couple of years through injury through through her own decision uh, decision to kind of opt out and her rankings now dropped to 47 in the world and it means that when she's going into a major event like the US Open just in 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 August September she was drawn against Danielle Collins in the first round and Danielle Collins is is, is a top player who 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 really she would never otherwise have met in the first round of an event if she was still at the ranking that really her her level of play deserved. So she went out straight away, and that 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 has an impact. I can imagine that would have an impact for someone like Osaka, who has played so infrequently in the past year. Mm. Um, to go out in the first round of an event that she used to dominate is is a huge thing, I guess. And yeah, so that's kind of what makes it so relentless. You've kind of got to stay on the hamster wheel in order to keep your your ranking. Yeah at the level you want it to be. That, I mean, that is a lot to ask of any individual. And uh, I mean, you make the point in the piece in the Telegraph, Osaka made 60 million off court last year. So she's fourth, I think, behind Federer, LeBron, Tiger Woods. So 60 million in one year off court, as opposed to the 1.2 million she made on court. Uh, so certainly if she's having any qualms about the lifestyle, uh, she can more than retire. And financially, increasingly, the top players all can. It really does show what complete and other uh, freaks the Williams sisters were. Still are in Venus's oh, case. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, Venus was playing last week, um, age 42. It's a, it's a massive shame that she's had to pull out the Australian Open with an injury because she still has a massive draw. You go to any event, Venus Williams is playing. The crowds are flocking to that court because of everything she brings. And like you say, yeah, the Williams sisters just kept it going for so many years and obviously kept that fight. They kept that motivation, that drive to want to be the best. And I think it's it's hard. You can't really hold everyone to that standard. Um, but someone like of Osaka's level of talent, as we have saw where she kind of, yeah, she took over the game, yeah. age 21, 22, um, it would be a massive shame for her to kind of lose um any drive to compete but like you say she, i mean she, she doesn't need to compete to earn because she's um she earns so much off the court and that's a huge kind of win and a, a huge marker of where women's tennis is yeah. that the biggest talents can earn as much to compete with some of the biggest men's um male athletes in in the world that's a huge win and um, that would just be great to see her on court as well So as we try and um, uh, figure out why uh, there, there is this fall off on, on the women's side more so than the men's, uh, the grueling schedule, families, uh, the, the finances and the riches, these are all factors. And, and the other one you mentioned, I thought, which was quite interesting, is the uh, change in nature of the tour. So, so COVID has maybe made things a touch more atomized and isolated. Do you always get this? Do, do you also get the sense that it's a, a less friendly tour, COVID or no COVID, that the, the sense of camaraderie that maybe once was there isn't there now? Or, or, or is it pretty similar to recent generations? Um, I, in the piece, we mentioned how the fact that the WTA tour was built upon kind of Billie Jean King and, and her and her colleagues of the time really pushing female tennis to the forefront and 
getting support and 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 convincing people that they were worth watching or worth paying to watch and worth paying at all. Um, that created a camaraderie that I think still exists on the WTA tour, but obviously not in the same kind of intense way that it would have done decades ago in the 70s, 80s and, and 90s. But um, I think it, tennis can be a very isolating sport, one, because of the travel, one, because you're actually alone on court. And there's not that much coaching allowed in tennis on court either. It's a very kind of the, the onus is on, on the player and that creates different pressures to to a team sport or even kind of a an individual sport where you have that kind of interaction where someone can kind of help you out. Mm. I think that comes into it. Um, I also think another factor, which I don't think we mentioned in the piece, is um, we've seen burnout over the years be a factor for women's tennis, not just in this generation, but also in the 90s. And I think one thing that you see in women's tennis is you see female players coming up at a younger age yeah. um, to the top of tennis than in men's tennis. So kind of 15, 16, 17-year-olds getting to the top sooner because of the kind of physical differences that exist. I mean, it takes um, 15, a 15-year-old boy, it takes him longer to kind of um, catch up with, with the men on tour um, from a physical standpoint. And I think that can have an impact because... Um, if you're already playing at that level and putting your body through through its paces for so many years and by the time you're 22 you're basically a veteran yes. for some of these players anyway so i think that's another factor that's different in in women's tennis and another thing that that i don't think we mentioned was online trolling i mean women female athletes um experience a lot more trolling than men um there's been studies across different sports that show that and i wonder if that has a big impact in, on this generation too um, especially in the COVID years where people are spending a lot more time on their phone, a lot mm. more time indoors by themselves as well. So, yeah, a number of things. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's a myriad of, of, yeah. of issues. Yeah. Every sport has looked at driver to Drive to Survive and said, oh my God, we need the Netflix treatment ASAP. So golf has, has, has had its one uh, filmed over the last year and they're set to unleash it in 2023. And you mentioned Breakpoint, the tennis version. Breakpoint as a title sounded, v- given in, in light of our conversation, I mean, it, it conjures up Breaking Point straight away. And, and so I, I don't know how much you've seen of it, but just that Breakpoint, close to Breaking Point, are we are we going to see an array of tennis players close to Breaking Point? Is that, is that going to be almost the theme of this documentary or will it be a touch more joyful, do we think? <laughs> well, the, the first few episodes are released on Friday. I've had a, 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 an early look at, at them and it is really interesting. I think that it's, it's, like you say, everyone's looked at F1 and the impact that their Netflix kind of fly on the wall documentary has had. And thought I want a bit of that. And mm. tennis, I think, I, from what I've seen so far, the, the tennis version um, seems, yeah, a, a quite introspective. Looks at, at players really struggling mentally with the challenges of of, of competing. That kind of mental, yeah, mental impact of losing every week, which I don't think happens in that many sports where you've only got one winner every single week. Yeah. Um, I think that it's it's hard to take, and it's also hard to understand maybe unless you're watching this inside look into their lives and what they do immediately after they go off court we I, I mentioned before but Isla Tomjanovic one of the top players um on the women's tour she's Australian she's she 
is very candid after a match and just being like, why don't I just give this up? Mm. It's, 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 it's pulling me apart mentally. And that's immediately after a loss, which I'm sure many elite athletes have felt, but um, it's, yeah, it's very interesting to see, mm. to see how, how much, um, how, how much they, they kind of decided to show about that mental impact, I think of, of, of competing. Okay, well, listen, Molly, people can read your piece on the Telegraph. Why top women's players want to leave is the headline. We might uh, check in across the Australian Open. And it's funny when you mentioned trolling, I, I, I might just be looking at Daily Mail comment sections. But I feel like Emma Raducanu is, is starting to bear the brunt of some of those trolls as well. So that might be an interesting conversation to have. But we're just out of time uh, for the time being. But Molly, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Molly McElwee there from uh, The Telegraph. Again, that piece, Why Top Women's Players Want to Leave. It's very interesting.